Have no fear of missing out. The show's about FOMO. Your host is Brian Franzo. I'll tell you what you don't know. And now, your host, iSocial Fans. Welcome back to another episode of the FOMO Fans Podcast. And today we're going to talk a little bit about niche or niche or niche or no niche. Uh, and we've kind of covered this topic a little bit, but you know, one of the big things for me with this podcast and really um, with marketing in general is I'm sick and tired of so much BS rhetoric. I'm sick and tired of people faking it till they make it. I'm sick and tired, honestly, uh, of people that are really getting rewarded based on their associations, uh, not really their their work ethic, not really being able, being forced to prove the value, which is kind of crazy in a world full of data and insights and technology. The, the idea of doing a little bit of research to understand the value of somebody uh, shouldn't be hard. But I think one of the interesting like dynamics for me or one of the things that I've been really kind of struggling with uh, over over you know, I guess the recent time has been that um, you know this idea where every successful person when they become successful not every successful person but any successful person that does so with like a hyper niche they love to give the advice that you must have a niche to be successful. And I think we probably have all heard this. And I heard this, I remember thinking, and I was like, oh crap. And this is where my like ADH brain started spinning. And I started to second guess myself even more so than I did before. I started to think about, oh man, I guess I need to find my niche before I can start doing anything. I guess I need to just, you know, and it's kind of like in college, I think about this like in college, um, you know, when they told me I needed to pick a major, I picked a random major. And I figured, yeah, you know, I'll figure it out. Uh, little did I know, of course, that, you know, you have to have the major picked out and then you take the wrong courses. I ended up having to take, you know, I, I think I graduated or I think I left college with like 165 credit hours without technically a degree because I, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grow up. And I, I would argue I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And I, I would even argue I'd take this a step further and say that I think part of the issues we have in our culture today is that uh, we're still asking our kids what they want to be when they grow up. And most of us don't know what we want to be when they grow up. We should start asking our kids, uh, what kind of impact do you want to make on the world? What do you envision when you envision success? And it's not the American dream. It's not a white picket fence. Rather, it's, you know, what do you think of? Who do you visualize? And that's, that's help people to get on that path. But when I hear this concept of like niche, you might have a niche to, to I, and I keep saying it backwards, which is always funny, um, to be successful. I think all that does is it, it inhibits people from getting started or it really alienates people that feel like they're lost. And and here's how here's my general take on it before I piss off all of the people that have a niche. If you have a niche, I say own it, run with it, beat it into the ground and milk it for every penny it's worth. I feel those that are lucky enough to discover what they want to do, maybe those that are lucky enough to be an early adopter on a platform, maybe even like a podcast and the podcast takes off and you're almost your niche is defined for you, uh, not really you having to go decide what your niche is. Uh, I'm all for that. Uh, and you know, and and this is one of those things that's an interesting space. But if you do not have a niche, if you are non-niche at the moment, there, you have many passions, you have many things that you like to do. Um, when someone says, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or what does your business do? Or what do you love to do? And you can't answer with one, just one answer. I'm here to tell you that's okay. I'm here to tell you that you're not alone. But I'm also going to give you some advice on this episode of things that you have to do differently than those that have a niche. 
And this is where I really want to focus my every podcast episode of the FOMO Fans podcast moving forward is going to be about tangible examples. I'm, I'm going to stick away from this fluff. As much as I love inspirational and motivational content and the way, as much as I, it's something that I enjoy giving on stages, one of the things that I think is really just lacking is that uh, people are full of crap. People will make broad statements, especially right now in this podcasting world, because they know that people will either nod their heads or it'll be the buzz, the, the big line that, you know, will help them stand out. But can they actually prove that way? Right? And, and like this goes along with, and this is something I've said on stages. So I'm one that's, you know, guilty of this is I've said things like, uh, Hey, uh, stop. We need, we need to stop working just hard. We need to work smarter. And I don't, and, and the whole hustle culture with people blaming the hustle culture, you know, Gary V, if you understand why he does what he does and how he does it, you would you wouldn't be blinded by his hustle message. Unfortunately, the the blind leading the blind. Those that I mean, Gary is a genius. But when those idiots and I'll call them idiots, when those cult followers follow Gary blindly without understanding what he's truly trying to say when he tells people to hustle, um, it's their fault, not Gary's fault. Gary is practicing what he preaches. He also believes in it. But when you look at this whole hustle culture, all of a sudden it became a new fad right now to say work smarter, not harder. Does anyone actually break down what that means? And then on top of that, you know, we hear about this whole concept of you have to have a niche. Well, I don't think you do have to have a niche, but I do think you can't, you have to take things a little bit different. And so here's one of my first advice is that if you're trying to build a business and maybe you have a mentor, you have someone you're looking up to, or maybe even there's people that you follow online that you say, I would like to be like them. You have to ask yourself, do they have a niche? That, they have, that has allowed them to be successful? And are you willing to commit, sacrifice, and dedicate yourself to finding a similar niche to match what they've done so that you can follow in their footsteps? I think those that have a niche are great people to mentor and inspire those that also have a niche. But if you do not have a niche, if you are someone that does multiple things, you are someone that has multiple passions and you're okay with that, I think you have to find people to follow and be inspired by that are very similar to you and how they do their business. Now, I can tell you as someone that does not have a niche, it's, I'm, I own that. I'm diagnosed ADHD at 31. I've always been one of multiple backgrounds. I was, uh, you know, I did theater in high school. I did baseball in high school. I, did, I worked at a skating rink in high school. I played hockey in high school. I played poker. I was a surfer. I was one of the ones that did, did everything. And I, it's been the story of my life. But I can tell you early on in my career, especially as an entrepreneur, I made lots of mistakes that the non-nichers, the I, I call us team no niche cannot make. And one of the biggest ones is this one. If you do not have a niche, therefore someone cannot describe exactly what you do or exactly um, what industry you serve or the exact problem that you solve, you have to make it, you have to be crystal clear in what your focus is and you have to make it easy for people to understand how to hire you, buy you, um, work with you. And this is something that I made a mistake of early on in my career, especially early on as an entrepreneur, is people would see me doing all these different things with all these different brands. And I heard this from my good friend, Jay Bear, and he said, Brian, I love what you're doing and every client that works with you loves what you do, but I honestly have no idea what it is you get paid to do, how people can work with you, and how I can set you up with people around me. That is a problem. And I think it's a problem for a lot of people that have no niche is they have not figured out how to productize themselves. They have not figured out how to make themselves 
uh, easy to purchase. And so that's my first tangible advice here is that if you are on team no niche, and this is a good advice for if you, know, if you have a niche, but if you're on team no niche, which I am, you need to make it easy for people to work with you. You need to make a clear path to understanding. And for me, that, that has really come crystal clear over the last two years is I tell my clients, the only way you can work with me is if you hire me to speak. I will add on consulting. I will add on influencer work. I will add on digital um, amplification of your event. But the only way to hire me at this moment is to work with me uh, as your keynote or host of your event. By making it really easy and crystal clear on how people work with me, it's allowed me to really scale my business. Now, I I still do a wide range of things, so I'm not niched as what my, my true one value is. But I do make I did make it simpler for people to not only hire me, but for people to to talk about how they should hire me. Because let's face it, word of mouth is extremely important. And if someone doesn't understand what you do or can't describe what you do very easily, you now have an extra hurdle that most people do not have. The next piece here, where I think you have we have to start understanding is uh, even for those that have a niche. It doesn't mean that if you have a niche that you only need to deliver your your story in one way because every brand, every business, um, every consumer learns differently. So even if you have a niche, you might need to have a podcast and a blog and a video show. You might need to be on stages and at events. You might be able to have to do all of these things. But for those that are on team no niche, one of the things that you need to do is you you need to be very consistent on what your bio is. And I've said this a lot on on this show, especially when it comes to personal branding. When someone Googles you, when someone looks you up on LinkedIn versus Twitter versus Instagram, the consistency within the description must be there. Now, it doesn't mean it has to be niche. It doesn't mean it has to be carbon copy on every platform because remember, you're speaking to a different demographic on LinkedIn than you are on Facebook or Twitter, Twitter versus Instagram. Every one of your profiles should be tweaked and adjusted towards the target demographic um, of your consumer on that individual platform. But the consistent takeaway should be there because unlike those that have a niche, those that have a niche, they will say, hey, that person um, is an expert on passive income. Hey, that person is an expert on YouTube. SEO. Hey, that person is a, uh, you know, is a expert at, uh, you know, is a author, a best-selling marketing author, whatever that niche may be. For those of us that don't have a niche, consistency is important. So when you look at your Google results, when you go to your website, does someone get a takeaway that they can actually say like, and for me, one of the big things was, and, and people ask this a lot is, you know, Brian, why did you put millennial keynote speaker? Why do I say millennial every time? Well, the, the, the truth is that I got introduced by that twice without me saying, it um, at two different technology events in 2013. And then I had someone come up to me and say, Brian, uh, you inspire me. You inspire my kids. This is something that uh, my kids were ashamed to be a millennial. They are ashamed to be associated with this generation. And by you owning that, it really stood out to me. And I, at that moment, I was like, wow, this is something that I wear as a badge of honor rather than a scarlet letter. But it was also something that would allow people to associate with me. So not only do I have a backwards hat, I wear a backwards hat all the time. Not only do I say I talk fast and I claim to be a change evangelist, all of those things are fine. But whenever when people go to any of my profiles, they understand that I am a millennial keynote speaker. Now, do I talk just about millennials? No. Do I mean, I don't have a niche topic that I even talk about as a uh, professional speaker. But what that does is it allows, it kind of simplifies the messaging 
and the takeaway of what people want to do and, and, and how they kind of map this together. And so that's, a, that's another thing, that's a tangible way that uh, all of us on Team No Niche, we have to make sure that our profiles are consistent because those with a niche, and I keep going back and forth with niche and niche, um, they don't have to have as much consistency in their, their profile. I mean, they should, but they're, because they're known for that one thing and one thing only, uh, it kind of it simplifies that whole idea of, of worrying about the consistent takeaway as your profile. The other piece of this is it's not actually harder or more cumbersome to create content with uh, on Team No Niche. You just need to be super focused and strategic with everything that you do. And what I mean by that, and, and to give you kind of examples here, is if you're on Team No Niche and you're you're launching a new show and you want to launch a new uh, you know channel, or maybe you have an Instagram account. One of the things that you know it's kind of funny. I got this question actually on Instagram today. Was someone asked Brian, how important is the theme? or the flow or the color dynamic of an Instagram uh, you know, profile feed when someone goes to visit it. And my first inkling is it shouldn't be that important at all because people aren't following you for what your profile looks like. They're gonna visit your profile once or twice a year. They're following you because they want an understanding of what your content is about. And so what I mean by that is if you are on team no niche, you need to be able and okay with the fact that you are gonna talk a little bit about everything and that little bit about everything should be sprinkled in not only your profile, but should be sprinkled into the content you're providing. One of the things that I think we make big mistakes on with Team No Niche is that we will we have no niche, but then we will hyper-focus for an entire month on one thing, and then out of nowhere drop three other things on the poor audience. And the audience is like, wait, how the hell did I follow this person? Why did I follow them? How did they get in my feed? So it's extremely important that if you're going to own the fact that you don't have a niche currently, you need to make sure that it's not something that seems sporadic, seems blasted at the wall. It should be something that's integrated into your storytelling, who you are, what you are about. Out. Along with that comes the idea of personal brand. And you, can, you don't have to talk about if you like the word personal brand or not, but your reputation, what people think about you, the first impression that people have of you is extremely important. And it's more important if there isn't that, that one niche that you have for people to describe you for, for people to recognize who you are in your business, what you're all about. And so with that being said, one of the things that you need to, to start thinking about is how do I make sure that I stand out with things like my profile picture? Or for me, one of them is color theory. I like to use the psychology of color theory in the sense that uh, not only am I the millennial keynote speaker, not only do I wear a backwards hat, not only do I make it known that I talk fast, but I also am one that is very bold with my colors. I've, I've rocked black and gold. I've had gold shoes. My, my business cards are gold. They're things that stand out. They're associated with my brand. If you've been following me on social, I actually released a brand new keynote and a brand new branding color scheme with I now have hot pink shoes and a hot pink hat and people might think that's my you know funny and nice Brian and that's Brian just kind of doing what Brian does but there is a strategy behind this right I do want people to draw attention to my new focus which is digital empathy and digital empathy is much more of a psychology much more of a business leadership much more of a um, you know inspiring people to shift their perspective type conversation and so since it's not as technology or social media driven as a lot of my other content I wanted to make sure there was something bold that people could associate that with something bold that would actually be a conversation start and so I'm using those colors to help me kind of dictate that. And so these are all things you have to think about when you when you're when you're someone that is is wants to do a little bit of everything. The last thing you want to be is too confusing, too hard to understand. And then especially on this, 
you don't want people to think that you're doing everything randomly. And, and, and let's face it, some of the stuff we do is randomly. Like I'm, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm launching a new LinkedIn live show uh, on on Mondays on LinkedIn. It's going to be called Street Smarts. Uh, it's only consumable on LinkedIn. So if you go to hashtag Street Smarts with a Z at the end, because I'm fanzo. So hashtag Street Smarts with a Z on the end. Just search for the hashtag. You don't have to be uh, so following me on LinkedIn. You can see that content. Now for me, I had no plans on doing that LinkedIn live show this month, but I got a, I got invited to be a beta tester for LinkedIn Live. So it is a little sporadic. And thankfully, because I don't have a niche, um, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to kind of shift my focus on that show. And that shows going to be a, a, a really a 10 minute uh, show that a video show that is only on LinkedIn. And each episode is going to be focused on giving business advice around a certain topic um, or a certain vertical uh, per se. And so for, but for me, what I want people to understand is that it, that is not random. That is not sporadic, but it might look like that to the outside. So part of my focus on this show is to not, not get people confused, but to also make sure that I ha- for me myself, I have a strategy. I have a focus. Like my goal on this on this new show for LinkedIn Live is to provide thought leadership level content where people start to associate me with having a deep understanding of, of a bunch of key areas. And so that's why I'm using that on LinkedIn because of the decision makers are there. And it's going to be, you know, that's going to be something that I'm going to have to really hone down on compared to someone that has a niche that they're able to just kind of like, well, it doesn't matter the platform. I'm going to talk about the same stuff, the same places everywhere. And, and like I said, at the start of the show, if you found your niche, good for you. If you haven't found your niche, this is the advice you need to, to take so that you can still build your business, still stand out. The other thing thing about this is just because you don't have a niche today does not mean you won't find a niche tomorrow. And just because you currently have a niche doesn't mean that niche will be around for forever. I mean, th- let's face it, there was plenty of people that their niche was creating Vine videos at six seconds a piece. Uh, it was great for three years. When the platform disappeared, some of the creators jumped to Instagram, some jumped to, to YouTube, and let's face it, a majority of them disappeared from the earth because they were so siloed, so niche-focused that they forgot to have a story, forgot to have a brand. And I will say this, I will scream this from the top of my lungs. And this goes for everyone. If you have a niche or you're on team, no niche. This is extremely important is that you do not want to build a following on anyone's property, on anyone's rented land, on anyone, on any one social network. You want to build a community that extends both online and offline that will follow you no matter where you go. For me, Twitter is my favorite platform. It's the platform I'm on the most, without question. Uh, I do enjoy Instagram. It's maybe my Instagram is my maybe my most um, enjoyable. Twitter is the one I use the most. Uh, TikTok is currently the one that's um, entertaining me the most. Uh, LinkedIn is the one that's driving the most business, and and Facebook is the one that I continue to love, even though I probably should hate it, right? And so, like, I understand those platforms, but there's something that we you have to kind of look at and say, if one of those platforms went away, if I lost my hundred thousand plus followers on Twitter, would my follow followers, would the people in my community disappear? And the answer is no. Would I as a creator disappear? The answer is no. And so this is something you also have to kind of look at because this goes along to something I made the mistake of early in my career was I thought my passion was computers and my purpose was teaching people about computers. And what I did is I mindlessly got stuck in that siloed rut for a long while before I realized, wait a second, this isn't what it's all about. And I, I kind of took myself out a step and I realized my passion was more for change. And my greater purpose was connecting great people with great people to do great things. 
And I think that my initial thinking that getting locked into my believing that my passion had to drive my purpose, I believe was a mistake. And I, w- I will argue that I believe your passions will change way more often than your purpose. Your purpose might change over time for me. Uh, you know, even I got married, uh, you know, originally at, at 23 years old uh, when I got divorced or when I got separated at 33 years old. Uh, I, my purpose and my passions were completely different over those 10 years. I changed as a person. I changed as a dad. I changed in you know, what my goals were in life. And I believe that's okay. And I think we, that's why when we ask people what do they want to be when they grow up, I think that's a stupid question that we need to stop asking. We, we need to start thinking differently about that and saying, what's the impact you want to do? Where, where's, where do you see success? And then even more importantly, where, where do you want to start tomorrow, right? And I think for everyone that's out there, I think this is where we have to remember is that even when I started this podcast, I wanted to get people to embrace FOMO. And then I realized that's not going to happen. People aren't going to embrace FOMO, so I needed to pivot. And so my, my focus with this is to cure your FOMO, to cure your fear of missing out, to provide you information and insights that you may, might not get other places, to hopefully give, uh, you know, open your mind to a new perspective and shift your mindset so that you can embrace new things. But I think ultimately that this is, this is the, the advice I want to give to everyone that's listening to this is that we, we really need to stop worrying about forever we need to stop worrying about the long, long, long-term future. We need to understand what success looks like. We need to understand what we are willing to sacrifice to achieve that success. And then our goal should be to learn from yesterday so that we can make today a little bit better than yesterday and set ourselves up to make tomorrow better than today. If you make tomorrow even 1% or half of 1% better than it, than it was today, your incremental gains over the next year will be astronomical. And so I think this is where, you know, if those that have a niche, I'm very, you know, kudos to you. But I also want you to think about it and say, is it, are you known for your niche or is it the only thing people associate with you? Right, because this is one of those things, and being known isn't something that I talk about as much. I, I believe for me, it's more of I want people to understand my story, who I am, what I'm about, about, and what I stand for. I could argue that having a niche is far less important than having a trust with your audience. Trust is something that is easily lost, hard to gain, but trust will keep you through the bad times and the good times. It'll be there when you change businesses, when you go from entrepreneur back into the real world or from the real world back into an entrepreneur. It'll go with you. If you have trust with your audience, it'll go with you when you switch between being a single person to married to being divorced or having kids. That trust should be that focus. And, and, I, and I think one of the things that those with a niche sometimes become blindsided by is that their trust isn't between them and the audience. Their trust is between the niche and their audience. And when that niche goes away, so does that trust. And so I, I, I'm a firm believer that if you have a niche, good for you, but we do, you do need to think about this at a bigger picture. If you are like myself and you're on team niche, you need to take some of this advice. You need to have to work a little bit differently. Uh, if you are following and reading books and taking advice of someone that has a hyper niche, you need to take a step back and ask yourself, is this where you want to go? Is this something that you can achieve? I have ADHD. I am diagnosed. I take Adderall twice a day. I know firmly that I will never be a person that does one thing and one thing only. It is not in my DNA. DNA. It is not something that who I am. I enjoy multiple projects. I enjoy attempting to multitask. I enjoy things going on at the same time in all different directions. Um, like I like to say, I used to say that I enjoyed chaos, but now I, 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 it's not that chaos that I enjoy. I liked having multiple strategic focuses. 
multiple strategic focuses are what my my piece is, right? I, I do a podcast, I do videos, I write a blog, I launch my website, I have a speaker business, I have podcast sponsorship, I also am a dad, I also love to travel, I also document on all of these things, right? And so this is all how this how I work on it is whenever I'm working on something, I am strategically focused and understand why I'm working on this and what it's value for. And then even something I would say, and this is where I'll leave you guys with this episode, one of the other lessons that I've learned is that I need to be better at jumping ship, not waiting for the boat to sink. There are some things I've always said that we have to test, tweak, test again, and then repeat. But I will, I will, I will tell you, we also have to be willing to abandon and jump ship, especially when something else comes about. And so what I want you guys to do is think about this. When you're, when you're launching a new project, when you're working on something or you have a new focus, especially those of us that are on team new niche, a new niche, uh, no niche, uh, as we kind of sporadically jump around, as we have all these things coming in our directions and we love to do all of these different things. One of the things that you want to do before you start a new project, you have to ask yourself, what am I willing to sacrifice as far as time, as far as the other projects I'm working on to make this project a success. And if you're not willing to sacrifice other projects, you probably aren't prepared for this new project. I can tell you for me and this LinkedIn and even for my speaking business, one of the sacrifices I had to make was writing my book. Uh, as, as much as I wanted to have a book out, um, I did have to really focus and say, okay, I want to you know, go all in on my speaking business. I want to hire a speaker agent. I want to launch a new website with a new video reel. And what I decided was, what am I willing to give up? And what I was willing to give up is I was willing to push out the, the authoring of my book and publishing of my book. And I was willing to sacrifice that because when at, in the entire scheme of things, I knew that this is something I needed to get done in the short term. And let's face it, a lot of it was because I need to pay child support and alimony and writing the book was not going to lead to that income that I needed. So I needed to sacrifice and, and make that prioritization. So uh, it's not about chasing shiny objects. It's not about doing every new project that jumps into your head because we have lots of them. I do believe it is important to be strategically focused with your actions. Uh, it does not matter if you have a niche or you have no niche. Everyone has 24 hours in a day. You get to decide how you choose to use them. If you're using them to sleep, or if you're using them to watch Netflix, or using them to binge uh, content, or you're using them to do lots of different things, or you're using them to just do one thing. It does not matter, but you must be strategic with those actions. You must be analyzing them. You must be willing to tweak on those actions. You must be willing to report and test, but you also have to be willing to throw away and start over or to completely scratch something that might be uh, something you enjoy so that you can focus and attack something else. And then, you know, last but not least, uh, when you own who you are, it does not matter if you have a niche or not. If you own who you are and you are the same person online and offline and you put your story out there to the masses, people trust you for who you are and the story that you're sharing and the, the window that you're letting them in through transparency and authenticity. If you're able to do that, your business will survive. You will be able to change your focuses, your niche. You'll be able to change your entire business model. Uh, and this is something that I believe in because it's it's been the case for me. And I can tell you, I'm launching a, a couple's vlog uh, with Jennifer. We're launching a, a new vlog that I'm extremely excited about. It's going to be nothing about marketing or social media, but it's really going to be about sharing our blended life and our journey as we date over long distance, both being divorced, both having kids. And this is something that's a little scary for me. It's something that is definitely far 
outside of my uh, of my current focuses. But I believe in my story. I believe that that it I will not only attract a new audience, but maybe I will bring some of my existing audience to consume this content. And that is because I've been investing since November of 2013 in being myself everywhere and anywhere and being unapologetic about it. And that includes wearing my bright pink shoes on stage uh, in Montenegro this past week and owning that look, owning who I am. Because for me, I know that what I'm, I know there's a strategy and a focus behind everything I'm doing. I'm just doing a whole lot of shit. And that's kind of how I'm working it. So for Brian Fanzo, iSocial fans, cheers to those on Team No Niche. If you don't, if you have do have a niche, I hope you're not offended by this uh, or alienated by this talk. If you made it this long, it truly shows that you're willing to understand all sides of the coin, and you're probably preparing yourself just in case your niche changes or your passion or your purpose in life has shifted. You will be able to adapt. Remember, it comes down to building trust and being authentic. Authenticity and trust are not guaranteed with transparency, but transparency does give the audience a window into who you are and allows them to decide if they can trust you and if you are authentic faster and at scale. Like I said, transparency and oversharing are not the same thing. Transparency does not guarantee trust, but if you are transparent, you do have a story to tell. You are not selling unicorns and rainbows. You will build that trust. You will stand out from the noise. And together, ladies and gentlemen, we will change the world, but we will do it by doing ta- tangible, actionable tasks like those I gave you on this show. Till next time, my name is Brian Fanzo. Make it a good one. Cheers. Cheers.